0: Welcome to Between Two Chairs, demystifying commercial real estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arancibia Jr. and Jennifer Woolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between two chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and
1: join us. Welcome to our Dog Days of Summer episode. And okay. I feel like I've, I've got this song. How much is that doggy in the window <laughs> song going through my head? Mm-hmm. I find it appropriate since it is sweltering across the country. <laughs> this idea came to me because my husband, daughter and I were at a restaurant in Coconut Grove, which, by the way, has amazing, amazing Thai food. Who eats Thai food in the middle of summer? I don't know. I do. But it's Achana's in the Grove. And I was going through the menu and after I saw the kids menu, I saw a canine menu and I thought you have to be kidding me and I thought it was a joke and I looked and no, they have three items on their canine menu. They have the dog bowl, the dog beef bowl, the dog chicken bowl and the dog salmon. Well, wow. They run yeah. between 11 and $13. I,
0: I'm not going to lie. It's almost 3 <laughs> 30 and, and I haven't have had lunch. lunch and it,
1: it sounds pretty
0: All of those good. sounds pretty good.
1: <laughs> it does. It does. But so I, I saw that, and I thought, interesting. And considering the number of dogs that were there the night that we were having dinner, they were, yeah. the dogs were outside. We were inside because of the AC. But I thought, oh, it, it makes sense that, you know, it'd keep a dog from begging if they're eating off of their own plate instead of begging off of beer. So I thought, okay, that makes sense. The next weekend, we went up to St. Augustine and we were at the Sunset Grill restaurant and we were sitting outside enjoying our meal. And I see this sign posted and it was dog etiquette. And it said, your dog is welcome here. And it kind of went through what They used to go through with kids, like well-behaved children are allowed here. And they had all of these items that your dog could and couldn't do. It had to remain on a leash, it could not sit on the bar stool, it could not sit at the bar, it could not eat off of the table. (laughs) And I thought, really? You actually have to post this? And then I remembered that I, you know, I do have some friends that have dogs that go everywhere with them. and. They treat them like people. So I thought, let's do the dog days of summer episode and talk about dogs and how they relate to real estate.
0: So the pet industry as a whole is incredible in the United States, especially when it comes to to dogs. And so when I when I think of that, the first thing I think of is from a retailer, right, and a restaurateur making that decision to open up their space. To be pet friendly and to be dog friendly, and to even go as far as creating a menu for the dog so that the dog can have that experience along with, with the rest of the family. So, where do you think that mindset lies in the mindset of, a, of an FMB provider, you know, an, an entrepreneur, a restaurateur, to make that decision to let's serve this, this segment of the of of that industry? I mean, I don't know how big doggy restaurants are, <laughs> you know, nationwide but there's gotta be a reason for that.
1: So I don't know how big doggy restaurants are, but when I saw that menu, I remembered, you know, I thought, oh yeah, the restaurant next door, Locale actually has a dog bowl outside with dog biscuits and everything. So you can just walk by, you don't even have to go to their restaurant, you can give your doggy a biscuit. So I started thinking about that. And I think the whole thing comes into expanding your market base and giving people more of a reason to hang out right so during the pandemic and and this was taking place well before the pandemic um i I remember driving my daughter to dive lessons gosh 20 something years ago and seeing this really strange colored school bus it was yellow but it was a weird yellow it wasn't your typical it was a super super bright yellow and I look in the window and there were all these dogs sitting in the seats. And so I told my daughter, look at this bus. It's full of dogs. So we followed it and parked and watched it. And on the side, it said doggy daycare camp. And I was like, you have got to be (laughs) kidding me. And I sat there and I watched these dogs sit better behaved than any school bus you've ever seen. And the driver stands up and gave a command and called a dog and the dog came out and walked off and met its owner and the owner puts on the leash and they're all hugging and and I said you've got to be kidding me there's a doggy daycare and then I started to think well you know think of all the people who who have pets but they work all day right and they're gone and they feel guilty leaving a dog at home I don't know why but they feel guilty so they want their dog to be entertained so I googled this pet place and it was insane it was something like 10 acres in the redland with swimming pools with agility courses with playgrounds all for dogs oh my god all for dogs that made sense right that people are working but now people are going out and they're used to if people are spending that much on their dog going out, they're not going to spend four or five hours out at a restaurant if they know they have to go home and walk Rover, or they feel bad that the dog is being left at home after having been at doggy daycare all day. I mean, just think about your kids, right? So you start thinking that people really do, in the United States, treat their pets like a member of the family. There's a commercial now, I don't know if you've seen it on TV. Where the son says, "Hey, I aced my test," and the daughter says something else, and the dog is like, "Oh, I didn't get a flea or a tick," and everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, you know, you're amazing, dog," and the kids are like, "Great." So I think that that's part of the reason is that if you have, if you allow people to bring their pets, yeah. their well-behaved pets, to a restaurant, and you cater to that one, those yeah. people are willing to spend eleven to thirteen dollars on yeah. a dog.
0: When I hear this thing, I'm thinking about a, a summer camp for dogs. Yeah. Obviously, my mind goes, if if the dog has already been there the prior summer, do they get to become <laughs> counselors? You know, are they can, can they become camp counselors the next year? You know, a dog that has, you know, they been through really the process, they can go there forever. But what I find interesting is that over the last four or five years, there's been this huge push and pull about support animals, right? And the sense has always been... In that for a long time it was very easy for you to go online and get a certificate from some website that says that your animal was a therapy. A therapy animal, support animal, that stuff. And it, it created a, an issue in our industry because for a lot of multifamily landowners that were dealing with tenants, do we treat them as pets, or now they're support animals? Support animals are gonna be treated differently. And I think it took a while for municipalities, states, you know, even throughout the nation, for the law to catch up to what was happening. Even though now it's it's a little more structured, we've all seen the headlines, you know. The that is going to fly in the plane and you know somebody try to bring a crocodile and those things get to the absurdity but i think what happens is most entrepreneurs see that well obviously people love their pets and whether they are a certified support animal they still provide that support and so i'm seeing more of an approach of the market has spoken People that have their their pets, they want to bring them to as many places as they can enjoy the experience with their pets. And so when I heard your story, that's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I think it's a natural evolution in retail. And that's, that's where sometimes you get to see trends way in advance of where things are going and how they're going to kind of land. And I think this is one of those examples.
1: Well, and I think that that is the perfect answer to your previous question is why did they create this? And I was thinking, well the demand was there. The minute you see people asking for a law to sidestep other laws, right? So they wanted a law for therapy animals because they didn't like the laws, that they were so limited in terms of where they could live because they couldn't have pets in so many areas. So to your point, that showed that there was a demand for it. And now it's gone back and now it's almost ridiculous to be a building that says there are no animals allowed no pets allowed because there's a way around it with with therapy pets right and there's a difference there's a difference between a service animal such as for a seeing eye dog or for people with epilepsy those are those are a much higher level than the therapy pet is but you know, any pet can provide therapy. So I think to your point, the demand is there and people saw an opportunity right around Miami. We have, I don't know how many small businesses we have that are groomers that go to your house. You can go to Petco and take your dog to a doggy day spa, right? And get get them groomed. I think it's ingenious. And it's something that we always need to look at in terms of real estate, right? Because it's not just the restaurants and the specialized retail dog stores that they have, like the dog from Ipanema, or they have specialty dog food stores now that you can go buy gourmet dog food, but it's also the warehouses. You know, Chewy was started here in Dania Beach and was bought out in 2017. And at the time, it was the highest- price for an e-commerce acquisition mm-hmm. and they yeah. were bought out by PetSmart for 3.35 billion and that's real estate so they had not only does petco have more of the big box store but right. chewy itself has warehouses there was another pet products manufacturer called custom veterinary service they're a maker of pet supplements and medicated shampoos and several friends of ours were involved in that transaction but that was 150,000 square feet of yeah. brand new industrial space that was taken up by basically a pet company and that was leased by the Junca de Ellas from Fairchild Partners and our yeah. friend Gus Fonte from AJF. So when you think about pets you don't necessarily think about the real estate aspect of it right. but we just mentioned just about every single aspect right so multifamily, family
0: right.
1: retail industrial and you can definitely say office because a lot of people have a take your pet to work day or they allow pets to come into the right. office especially in yeah. some of the creative flex spaces wow. so it's interesting if you don't like pets you're kind of in trouble
0: to go back from the perspective of an entrepreneur, is when you look at that restaurant and they created a to-dos and not to-dos when you bring your pet, they're kind of getting ahead of it from a management perspective, having to deal with deciphering in a moment's notice, whether it's a pet, or if it's a support animal, do you have papers? Better to just create a blanketed policy and say, look, there's definitely a demand, let's welcome it, let's let's embrace it, right? But then we get to control how we're going to structure and how things are gonna go, so that way it's a pleasant experience, you know, for everybody involved. I found that the global pet care market has grown to 261 billion dollars in 2022 up from 245 in 245 billion in 2021 the expectation is that that figure will get to 350 billion
1: you yeah. just took my fun stats, by the I way. I did. I'm take just, your yeah, fun. You, just, you found the I'm same I'm just living, you know. That's well, okay. I'll, I have lots of. them. Yeah. People. Okay. <laughs> but that's the first time that's but, happened to us.
0: That is the first time that we picked. Yeah, because yeah. we don't we don't share that with each other. What I find interesting is, of course, you want to capture a percentage of the market. By the way. Very smart for Pet Supermarket to make that acquisition. It was a huge acquisition at the time. Chewy is doing tremendous. Pet Supermarket basically provided a vehicle for them to be relevant in this market for many, many, you know, forever. So I think it was very, you know, very smart to approach it from what that acquisition. What I also find interesting here is from the perspective of looking at trends, and and I think that these things are related. So, you know, bear with me here we are getting a lot of calls from people that want to find a way to utilize and monetize sections of shopping centers for example that are not necessarily used often. So let's talk a little bit about this pickle court, the pickleball craze yeah. that has, you know, taken over America. They say it was one of the fastest growing sports in, in the country. I've had people reach out to me and says, do you think that the owner of this shopping center would allow me to create courts on the rooftop? <laughs> you know, this pickle court. You know, and even today we were having a conversation with with someone, we were talking about a couple of their shopping centers in up in the Orlando area. You know, they have this space it's kind of having a, a, an issue because of the sound that is coming from the gym upstairs so i asked them a the question well how tall is the ceiling how big is the space because i thought well maybe some indoor pickleball courts right might be might be the trend but i do think as we continue on this growth of more experiential retail that we got to start to look at you know just like the restaurateurs are looking at embracing of the pet industry but to look at how really dynamic and different some new retail concepts are going to are going to show up at their door.
1: I agree. And we saw that several years ago, pre pandemic, when the multifamily developers, the newer developments, were trying to find a way to amenitize their buildings. And one of the ways was to have little pet runs or pet walks and yeah. amenities for pet owners to feel inclusive in a in a building. I think to your point about new uses, who knows what's coming down the pike. So yeah. is is pickleball a fad, right? Axe throwing was pretty big for a while, it's still pretty big, still but pretty big. same thing with those escape rooms, right? Escape rooms were a big thing one year <laughs> and god, that sounds like a nightmare to me. Um but those aren't as trendy anymore so you wonder how long is the trend cuz to your point in retail you know usually a retail lease is fairly long so okay. if it's if it's only a 3 to 5 year trend then you don't want to get into a 10 year lease right. but some right. of these places yeah. might require some so, pretty big tenant improvements. So but. Jessica, take a note. Uh, we gotta
0: we gotta <laughs> get Jennifer in an escape room. Fail we no. did we did an escape escape room with the family in December, and I will say that uh, you know at some point I wanted to just grab a
1: uh, <laughs> a hammer and start breaking through <laughs> all the yeah, things was that was were say, locked. Give me an axe throwing room right next to it, and maybe you'll get maybe? me to go. But oh, if you give just, me an axe,
0: but, uh, interesting. Maybe maybe a comment of axe throwing
1: in an escape room (laughs) you'll want to be escaping me i love it i think that
0: it is very important to find those kind of uh, opportunities to differentiate yourself in the marketplace you know when you told me the story about the restaurant you know all i kept thinking is that i just find it very smart because to your point about whether it's trendy i don't think that that's going to go away the fact that people love their pets they right. want to bring them along. So that's not something that is as perhaps trendy Save as a pickleball right. pickle court or the axe throwing or the escape rooms and stuff like that. And I think when you curate a, a retail center, if you had uh, a retail center of, you know, let's say 100,000 square feet of retail, what percentage would you allocate to those cool, trendy concepts?
1: Related to pets, if, uh-huh. if I'm doing something with pets and let's say there's a, you know, I'm thinking of this one center and it's, they have a veterinary center in there and they also have food restaurants nearby and it's a great vet, great, great tenant. But there's no place for them to walk dogs or for people to walk mm-hmm. dogs. And so if you have pets, let's say, and and some vets do have overnights for yeah. short-term stays, where where can you walk the pet? So I'd be thinking about where is a place that's not going to interfere, that's going to be pleasant for the rest of my customers, right? Because right? if I don't have a place to walk them and they're peeing on the wall, like, yeah. and I'm somebody who... Even if I have a pet, I don't want to smell urine when I go get my baklava, right? I mean, so <laughs> so I would be thinking about that. If you are going to allow pet services in your retail space, then you have to think about not only your tenants who are going to shop there for their pets, but the people who are going to bring their pets there. And how do you help everybody coexist pleasantly, right? Yeah. I'm super happy about a lot of the cities that are proactive and they realize that people have pets, so they install the poop bags so that if you don't take one or you forget to take one or whatever, and. Or if you were those type of people that never picked it up to begin with, guess what? Hint, 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 you know. And then I also want to point out that the Miami Association of Realtors has done a lot of pet improvements for certain areas because we do these community grant projects. And ironically enough, we found out that there were several communities that were like, you know what, we would love to have a dog fountain, you know, a dog water fountain. So we did that. We did that at Pinecrest Gardens. We did another dog park in Miami Beach. I believe it was in Miami Beach, again, it wasn't just, it's not the individual pet owner only yeah. or the retail owner. It was actually cities yeah. realizing this is a need that our that our citizens have and want. What can we do to make it more pleasant for them and pet safety and everything else? So. I want
0: to tell you also that I was involved in a, in a lease of an office space, about 10,000 square feet, and the pet policy of the landlord owner came to play. And it's this company that is always looking for ways to create culture. They have every Friday, you can bring your pet. Sometimes they would even invite like the local a zoologist or, you know, a group that could bring different kinds of animals and all stuff. And what they found is that... There is really something interesting about getting to know a person, getting to know your coworker mm-hmm. through the pet that they have, right. their dog, you know? You know how they say pet owners become, they start to look like their pets and vice right. versa? And so I, I, I've i heard that in the building of culture in a company, that having the ability to bring them to the office, it's a big, uh, it's a big thing. It also, interestingly, this person was telling me is that it kind of deflates tensions because, you're so much more relaxed, you become more playful with the dog. And I remember in the 90s, there was a story about uh, an office in Japan that basically would have a dog. And you know everybody's in their cubicles and they're working. This is back in early 90s. But when the dog would come to your cubicle, you could take a break. Right. And you would be encouraged to pet the dog, hang out with the dog, a lot of stuff. And then I don't know if, how many years ago there was that whole thing about Uber pets where they could, they would bring you a cat or they would bring you a dog and you could hang out with the dog or the cat for a little bit. Oh,
1: I don't remember yeah. that uh, one.
0: Remember yeah, that you one? remember that, right? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great, it was, it was this concept. It's like of, rent a know, pet. Right. Yeah. Maybe for mental health care. You just wanted to, you know, have that experience. I think that to your point earlier, it affects industrial, you know multi-family
1: but also the office sector and, and i think that that was interesting and i think to your point office right now is hurting big time right. especially in cities like san francisco and chicago and yeah. here we say oh it's not hurting us here but we're still going to have vacancies right in florida and how how do you bring people to the office well if you think that during the pandemic at least 3.2 million households acquired a pet during the first year of the pandemic and most of those were between the age of 16 and 34. okay so get rid of the high schoolers but still the the 20 to 34 those are those are the people that probably aren't going to office, right? Correct. And so how could you encourage them to go to office? We're crazy about pets. We love dogs. And I had a dog where everybody would say we had Our our relationship was very unhealthy. He was very dependent on me. I was dependent on him. I never got him registered as a therapy pet because I would have been one of those people that carried it around. I'd have to buy a purse because I don't own a purse. I would have to buy a purse to carry my dog around. So I never did that. But he was something that after the pandemic, I was really nervous about leaving him because there was always somebody at home, right? right? Because even if I was going to the office, my kids were working remotely and they all moved back home. So I'm like, this poor dog has spent two years with somebody in the house all day. Before that, no, before that, my husband and I would go to work, he'd be home, he'd have another dog companion, whatever. But after the pandemic, I started to think like this poor dog is going to have if we're this dependent on each other, it's going to be a shock. But then it also was weird for me. So I'm thinking of all of these people who don't want to go to the office. Right. right? But if all of a sudden you do say, hey, let's let's allow people again, have the rules just like Sunset Grill, well behaved dogs, make sure they have all their shots and everything. They're not aggressive. But. Bring them to the office and to your point of the person in the 90s, how forward thinking they were that it relieves stress. It forces right. them to get up and move from a computer screen because they right. have to take the dog out and That's walk right. it every now and yeah. then. I mean, are you listening office people? You <laughs> might want to <Relax. laughs> listen to our podcast and
0: consider well, I, allowing no, dogs I, in. I remember at the FIOPSI conference that Gunnar Branson from AFIRE, CEO of AFIRE, um, which is this international federation of, of investors, he mentioned the reason why it's hard to get people to the office in the Midwest. It's harder to get people to, to the office in other parts of the country. but in Miami, in the way that the offices were built, configuration, weather, all of those things are important factors. And to me, those items are important factors as well. In my experience, when we're searching office buildings in Miami, especially when it is a a national tenant that has really any choice that they wanna make, the conversation really is about amenities. The conversation is not so much about the configuration of the space, but it's more about amenities. Are my employees going to be happy here? You know, what do you have? And, and I see more and more of a desire by landowners of office to provide those amenities, you know, whether it's quick transportation, a variety of food experiences. And I started to notice that for them, it wasn't just about the permanent options, but more of once a month, we're going to have all these food trucks downstairs and, you know, we're going to have, you know, bring your pets to the entire park. And, you know, we close down the street and people are able to walk their pets together or there's a variety of, of options that are available you don't have to have a permanent amenity as long as you have a a curated amenity and the experiences are, are consistent and, and common
1: and I think that's an interesting point because we often talk about community and culture and building it and I can see doing it for a company but basically what you're describing is creating a culture of a building of the real estate itself
0: an an entire office park correct you know think about how much of the people that are working in that building how much time they spend also uh networking and now you're also providing opportunities for people from different companies that are in this big building to get to know each other (laughs) you know
1: i know all my neighbors who have dogs i don't know any of the ones who don't have dogs i have no idea who they are but i know their dogs names So yeah, it does it does create opportunity. Absolutely. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the dog days of summer. I'm I just thought that it was super interesting and again it's outside the box thinking from yeah. all all different areas and how can you bring value and
0: no doubt about it. Well, look, one one final point that I think is very important for any commercial agent that might be listening is that there are many things that I admire about you, but one of the things that I really love about your approach is that you're always observ- very observant of your surroundings and you're always looking for where there are opportunities and new uh, new ideas, where they're coming from. And I know you're a big supporter of local businesses, you know, as am I, and support your local businesses, man. Yes. They, they they do so much for your neighborhood and your community. And my feeling about this is that the fact that you are always aware and hyper aware of new concepts and new ideas, new things that are happening, it just allows you to then be a better consultant, for the next iteration the next retail client that you have and and whether you are going to curate an entire shopping center or you're going to help a tenant that is looking for retail space i think it's very very important to don't minimize right your own personal experiences as you're interacting with that space so if you are a commercial agent and you're going to specialize in office You should be always be looking out to how is this office experience when I go to this office compared to the other one. If you're going to be in retail, you got to be looking out like, you know, and sometimes it's a feel you walk into a shopping center, you're like, this feels like a cool place and what makes that and so i i think that is to me i'm always every time i go into whether i'm going into an industrial warehouse or an office i'm always looking at how is the person that is occupying the space utilizing the space are they maximizing it did they come up with a cool you know way of using it what do they like about the space it just informs us so much there's only so much you could learn by the book, the big experience that you gain is by being out there. You know, you just got to be vigilant and and, and, and hyper aware. Well, and
1: I think you bring up a good point. A lot of what we do in commercial is very analytical, but to be... Really good at it. I mean, it gets in your bones eventually, and I think that's kind of where we are. Where everything, you know, we just are always thinking about real estate. But when you're out there and you do see something cool or or something ridiculous or something silly or something neat, take a picture of it. Think about it because you'll start your brain will will play with that, and all of a sudden your you know your feelings about whether that space made you feel comfortable or not. You'll be like, okay, well this space made me feel uncomfortable. Why? oh, there were no windows, it was dark, it was smelly, whatever. Or to this point, when I saw the canine menu, it gave me a giggle, right? And then it just kind of warmed its way into my brain and got bigger and bigger, and therefore this episode. But I think the issue is, you know, even though we're in a very analytical business and it's all about the numbers and making the numbers work, trust your other senses, you know, trust your five senses for giving you a feel for the property. And we always talk and we've talked about it before about let the property speak to you and tell you what works. Well, sometimes those feelings are going to tell you, you know, what's coming down the pike as well. So that was a very good, good
0: point. Well, We've we've come to the point of stats and since I uh you know preempted your stats. Do you have another stat or you want me to jump in?
1: No, don't jump in because if you have <laughs> my last stat I'll be in trouble. So Forbes estimates that dog owners spend an average of seven hundred and thirty dollars a year on their dogs and I thought that was low. Yeah, I was gonna say that. (laughs) Right? I thought that was low. I was only spending seven hundred dollars a year on their dog. I I know my daughter probably spends that much in a month on her dog. dog. (laughs) <laughs> That's, slow. That's slow. You have pets, so, Jessica? Yeah. <laughs> no. See, <laughs> so pets and kids—the most expensive item on your budget.
0: Exactly. By the way, j- shout out to Jessica, who's not only uh, our amazing, amazing uh, office manager, but she is also the voice that you hear in the introduction to the podcast. So.
1: And she's also the one who makes sure we press the record button. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. So look, key pick a ball stats oh of 2023 now this is an interesting thing so There are 36.5 million number of pickleball players in the U.S., largest growing sport in America. Largest age bracket of pickleball players, 28% of them are between 18 and 34, which is a a, a big number, right? Pickleball paddle market, the size of the market is $153 million. Do you have a pickleball um, paddle?
1: I do not. I haven't, I I don't know, it's like take a dump in the kitchen sink or something like that. It was, they have some weird verbiage that I have to get used to, but I think you just pointed out something super interesting. It's the same demographic as the pet owners.
0: Well, listen, I got to do the math on this, but look at, look at how interesting. In the United States, there are 10,320 places to play pickleball. Now, if my math is correct, that means that you got basically 3,650 people for every place that is available to, There's you a know, pickleball play. So court shortage. We have a pickleball. The vacancy rates yes. for pickleball <laughs> exactly.
1: courts is going to
0: be very, very It's going to be, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, listen, I'm just saying, guys, Pickle it's half the size people. of a tennis court. You know, there might be some opportunities there. Look out.
1: And they have yeah. cooler lingo. It's way more, their yeah. lingo is, oh, really? is not as, well... I'm telling you, yep. there's something about the kitchen sink. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the kitchen sink? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> you know, and it, so it's, it sounds like a lot more fun than the stodgy old dates of tennis. Nothing against tennis. I'm of just course. saying that it's, of it's. We're going what to a have serious to just,
0: sport. Uh, go and do a, uh, a video of us learning how to play pickleball. Oh my god! That's just going to have to be a must in the evolution of this uh, of this uh, humble podcast. But uh, well, guys, thank you for joining us on the dog's dog days of summer. Hopefully we did press the right record button and you get to hear this. <laughs> thank you for joining us and pulling up a chair. And we look forward to having you back on the next episode. Thank you.
1: Bye.